This is Lee Wilkins, your co-host for Thinking Out Loud, and I'm here in the studio today with two MU theater professors, Dr. Claire Seiler, who's an assistant professor in the theater department, and Dr. Heather Carver, who is the chair of the theater department and also the artistic director. Thank you both for coming into Thinking Out Loud. Thank you, Lee, for having us. Thank you so much. You are welcome. So um, what started this whole conversation for me was I saw an announcement about a series of one-act plays that the theater department was doing about climate change. And I thought, this is not Shakespeare, okay? (laughs) I do not mean to denigrate Shakespeare, whom I love, but it is to say that this this is a different kind of use of theater, I think, than many of us are used to. I don't think it's all that different in the academy. But so I wanted to sort of talk a little bit about how is this whole thing changing? So Claire, I want to start with you. Okay, what's different about theater now? Well, I think theater is always an argument of sorts. So you're putting forth a narrative, but you're also telling a story to serve a particular purpose. And I actually worked for a Shakespeare festival for five years, and Shakespeare was definitely strategic in what he was doing (laughs) for that audience um, in Elizabethan and Jacobean England. Um, It doesn't mean that those same strategies always translate when we do him today. Uh, So we are interested, I think, in the Department of Theater of using performance to accomplish a variety of goals. And one of them, as you were kind of, you know, uh, hitting upon, is this kind of public pedagogy, teaching audiences about issues that they may or may not be uh, experiencing or, or could be aware of in more particular ways. And so really letting people peek in on different issues and social issues that they might want to learn more about. At the same time, we also want to use theater to accomplish good old entertainment. Um, That is really important. Right now, we're doing The Wiz, and it is not without its own pedagogical bent. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) It still can teach us quite a bit, but it's also a really good time. I mean, you leave the theater um, singing and tapping your foot and having just a marvelous fantasy version uh, trip into Oz. So it's accomplishing both goals, I would say, with that piece. So, Dr. Carver, Heather, um, yes. what, as somebody who's the artistic director, I mean, I'm sure you don't say, okay, this year we're going to talk about global climate change and income inequality, and you come up with a list of issues and go try to find plays. So how, how does all this kind of come together? Well, actually, um, in a way, what's great about having uh, the faculty and have their interests is we always get a variety of interests. And so we're always looking at this sort of broad range of human interests. Uh, the global... I'll talk a little bit about climate change theater because that was that was mine. Um, Life I know and that. literature series. <laughs> um, we produced that. That's actually a um, international effort. Um, it started in 2015, mm-hmm. and the idea was there. Um, they commissioned 50 playwrights, uh, well-known playwrights, uh, to write very short pieces, um, about five minutes, um, about um, issues involving climate change. And um, it really um, started to spread. They, they invited people. They could use these plays for the month of October for free. Um, and they said, you know, tell us what you're doing. Well, we were not involved when it first started. I hadn't heard about it. But in 2017, I got an email from the organization and said, nobody in Missouri is doing this. How about University of Missouri? And 
Of course we were interested, but we had already planned our season. So we did a one-night version. The students got excited. We picked plays. We had our local, you know, our students write plays um, and some community members. And we did just a one-night event. And it was really successful. We had scientists from the community come and talk about it. We had a Q&A. And so this time around, we did plan it on purpose mm-hmm. to have the entire Life and Literature series focus on these plays. And um, it was it was even more of an understanding between our students um, and the community than we had envisioned because the climate leaders at Mizzou co-sponsored it with us, and these students are incredible. Um, they We did a panel every night to talk about it, so we invited our science friends back, but we also had these student leaders so that when people from the audience said, you know, hey, I'm only a student here at Mizzou, what can I do? They had that interaction. But the plays themselves... Um, are a way of having our students have voice. So we did use the many plays from around the world, but we also had our own authors, our own students writing. And to me, what's happening is we're trying to have not just the one-sided view of we're the theater department and we are going to tell you what to think. We don't do that at all. Mm -hmm. We say these are the things we find interesting and hear our students' voices and what they want to say and how can we create that dialogue. So one of the things that I was interested in, because in some ways journalism is 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 like that, you know, in order for me to get you into a story, you have to enjoy reading it or listening to mm-hmm. it. So there is that Absolutely. element of if people call it entertainment, sometimes when I'm trying to back it, I call it accessibility. But so on these, do you wind up sort of preaching to the choir to talking to people who are already very interested in this issue? Or do you get <laughs> did climate change skeptics come? Well, I want first of all, um, one of the things that's interesting is that um, lots of times artists have felt one-sided in sort of putting things out there. And what we're trying to talk about is we're citizen artists. We, we, we're the choir too. Like we're part of, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm a voter. I, I, I'm not just an artist. Um, and what has happened that I really enjoyed with this, we had 40 students involved in this. Um, and we all got together with the climate leaders at Mizzou. We had a whole group, you know, uh, circle up and talk about our interests. And it was fascinating because the students that came to it because of their interest in performance weren't necessarily denying climate change, but they hadn't really become involved. And the climate leaders at Mizzou had never occurred to them that there were all these students that were out there in the theater world that would be interested in their issues. So what happened is we created, you know, that community that we're part of this also. So our students, after doing this work and starting to understand what's going on with these plays, joined climate leaders at Mizzou. (laughs) And the climate leaders at Mizzou started coming to the theater and they came to the performance even when, you know, they didn't have to Mm -hmm. because they were seeing that this is a new way of reaching a broader audience. And so part of it is, is that we're really a part of everything. And this is something that I really love about educational theater is that it is not unidirectional. Like if you see a show on Broadway, it's mostly the show going to the audience. We hope the audience takes something away. Right. But in educational theater, you have more time, you have more resources. And so these students, these 40 students are all now really interested 
in climate change. And some of them were definitely skeptics at the beginning. Uh-huh. And, and now they, it's not necessarily that they have been like converted, but they have more resources. They're more interested and they have more um, different issues to consider with this broader issue of climate change. And so that to me is one of the things that we do so well is we treat our plays and our rehearsals as classrooms where there's so much knowledge being gained and built together. So and that and the, and you used a phrase educational theater, which is different than Broadway mm-hmm. or different than something that I might see in St. Louis or Kansas City. Yes. Um, so what are what are some of the things that 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 you as professors are trying to give our theater majors, both at the undergraduate and the graduate level? And then I sort of want to circle back and ask. So now, what are they lobbying for you to take on next year? Well, I think the first thing um, is opportunity. And I think that there's, you know, there are a lot of misnomers out there about what's done and who does it and what. We want our students to have their voices, so not just the writing that I talked about earlier, but right. in the plays themselves that they're performing, we want them to be a part of it. And we want their um, voices, um, things coming from their cultural backgrounds, not being, you know, we're only going to do, we, we of course, Tennessee Williams went to Mizzou. We love Tennessee Williams. We might even excitedly do another Tennessee Williams play (laughs) next year. Um, But if we only did plays reflecting Tennessee Williams experience, um, we would leave a lot of folks out. And so part of what we're trying to do is move forward to our students having as many opportunities as they can. And I have to just echo Heather on this because so often in education we talk about an opportunity gap. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested in how many people get to experience performance as an opportunity to learn about themselves and the broader world. And so that means making your stages look maybe different always than Broadway because we want people of all different calibers who are experiencing performance at all different levels to take part and and some of our shows might seem a bit slicker it might more akin to what you'd see in st louis or or um kansas city or broadway but others of our shows you're seeing process and that's really exciting because you're seeing students experience the process of performance which is in itself asking you to try on someone else's experience try on someone else's worldview and that's messy and there's not always time or room or space for the mess on Broadway or other um, conventional mm-hmm. outlets. But in educational theater, we find the mess really valuable. And I'm, I'm saying that word, you know, metaphorically in that, right. that you can kind of take the time to really go through these characters and explore them uh, without the, the fear of that kind of product-oriented focus. So do students, what are the, some of the things that the students are coming forward either in terms of of suggestions or 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 just just topics well um uh i think i think i want to bring up the whiz not to sell it because frankly it's sold out (laughs) doggone 10 performances we only used to do five performances um of our shows and we've sold out 10 performances of the whiz so we're pretty excited um about that but one of the interesting things that has happened and our director Dr. Joy Powell, um, that came to us, she's interested both in directing musical theater, but also her area of interest is really building uh, community. Mm-hmm. And I think that what has happened with that show is there are students who um, are not theater majors who are in it. Now, they're excellent. So the audience has come and they experience um, an excellent evening of musical theater. Um, they, what they don't know 
is that, you know, the Tin Man and his beautiful voice is actually studying, um, you know, computers. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh-huh. And that Aunt M is a nursing, you know, or from the health sciences um, student, right? That Dorothy is a theater major, but she's also a double major in psychology because she, as she told the library the other day when we did a um, one of our free previews for them, um, she really wants to do drama therapy and she wants to go back to where she came from um, and St. Louis and really work with people in theater as a way of giving back because she really believes it had a lot to do of her being able to be successful being in college. Mm-hmm. And so what we have is um, the, what, what we love about it and the whiz shows is that you people come, they, they experience, they love it, but the mess is not actually a mess. As yeah. Claire said, it's uh, metaphorical, but the collaboration behind mm-hmm. everything is that we have people sort of reaching for goals they didn't know they had because they're in college. And we truly believe that this is the time, right? It doesn't mean you have to go be mm-hmm. a major. It doesn't mean you have to change your goals, but you can see that, that, you know, theater, music, these things are a part of people and their lives, right? In the arts that don't necessarily have to be separated. And I have a, I have a quick story cause I'm not trying to Mm-mm. cut Claire off. Um, but I had a student come into the, the front office um, and asked me, you know, when auditions were for the Wiz. And um, I said, oh, great. Um, are you new? And she said, yeah, I'm a first year student. And I said, are you a theater major? She said, no. She said, but I thought in high school when I was done, I have to, it was almost like she was saying, put away my toys. Mm-hmm. But she said, you know, I couldn't do theater anymore, but I just, I saw you were doing the whiz and I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> right. And so, and she said, so I thought maybe. And so anyway, she not only, she auditioned for us, she was also the lead in our very first plays that we did by Adrienne Kennedy. Um, and then she was in the whiz. And this is someone who had thought she needed to leave it behind. Now, she she can go on and do her own major and do whatever, but she has this has become her college experience. Much like the people in sports don't always go into that for their career. Exactly. Um, neither does theater, and I think we give that space. So do we have some stars who are going to Broadway? Absolutely. Yes. Um, and we have. I mean, we have some wonderful students. Um, we have a student named Lacrita who has become a Broadway actor actress um we have bryson bruce came back um to share with us his life he's only been gone from here for four or five years and he's in the touring company of hamilton i mean we have those celebrities (laughs) right going to broadway but we also have a lot of people who are finding themselves absolutely yeah claire you wanted to add (laughs) um yeah i think that that's not a facet of every department Actually, I know it's not. Um, a lot of programs will say, no, we only want majors on our stages. Uh, no, we only want certain students who've auditioned and we find them to have the caliber. We at the Department of Theater at the University of Missouri find that richness across people who have multiple interests, and sometimes they are majors and sometimes they're not. Um, but bringing all of those different voices together to experience the work is in itself uh, really an exciting action that we're doing. Well. And I think for something, Heather, that you said about, you know, putting away your toys, because we we have that problem in journalism, too, is, you know, I, I want to do journalism. I only want to do journalism. I have these blinkers on that I can only right. see journalism. And there's something about the humanities or reading or, you know, whatever that sort of makes the rest of it more fulfilling, if that if that makes any sense, sense at all. Yes. I mean, I, I, I just I think that we 
We want students at the university to explore who they are, what they're doing, how they can have a voice. And, and whatever way that ends up happening is valid. We, we are here to validate their choices and affirm that they um, can be who they are in the ways that they want. And, and we're a part of that. And so a lot of them do then get the, um, you know, they want to pursue this as a career, but we have many other incredible students who have been successful in life and they've come back. We just had a 70s reunion this summer. We had all these students from the 70s um, come back. We did a 50th anniversary of the Larry Clark um, Summer Repertory Theater and a show of ragtime. And afterwards, I had these 70s folks coming to me and saying, you know, I was only, I was in theater because I loved it. I've now been, you know, an attorney. I've retired from that and I've gone back into performing or I had one um, uh, person who was a costumer again she had done a lot with costume design and and so and they hadn't necessarily put their artistic love on hold it just it wasn't their career um, but I think they t talked about the what they learned in the beginning well, was so and I think foundational. Especially for the attorney, if that person was a litigator, then <laughs> theater was a huge Absolutely. help, maybe in a, in a totally unconscious way. Yes, and that's what she said. She said, I just, she said, I grew as an individual. I got my confidence. Um, you know, there are lots of things that we can offer through direct courses. We can say, okay, here is a course on public speaking. You learn public speaking, mm -hmm. and that works great. Uh, I taught that for years. <laughs> but we also have things like acting courses, which I teach now, um, that are also teaching students in a different way, right? And when they reach for something they didn't know they could do, they're always building confidence, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's what's going to lead them to successful lives is po the positive nature of, I can try this, I can fail, but I can also know that there is a strong foundation behind me that I can rise up again. And I think those kinds of things people used to call soft skills. I don't think they're soft skills. No, no. <laughs> they're, they're the needed skills. life skills. I was, yeah. yeah, learning that you can recover from failure is really important. Oh my! Starting gosh. from the time you learn, you learn to walk, you got to get up again. Absolutely. I also think that this sort of mixture of different perspectives and different skill sets, whether it's someone who goes on to be an attorney or a nurse but has this background and, and is an incredible singer or, or loves to act in, uh, you know, maybe maybe even Shakespeare, um, is, is that these things come together in a way that I think what citizen artists do best, which is to look at the broader world and say, what are some of the issues that we need to highlight and focus? Um, and you see this in filmmakers, you see this on Broadway, you see this in all kinds of assets, parts of the facets of the entertainment industry is that, that artists are um, analysts of mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. just like journalists are as well. And so if we're so focused on only one thing and we're not seeing how these two different parts of my identity interanimate, that they go together, that they work together, they make the other one better and strengthen it, uh, then we're actually losing by just siloing people off into these different particular skill sets. And so I, this is why, I, I mean, I refer to it as mess, but it's not really a mess. It's, it's this beautiful mixture of all these different perspectives coming together and to see how they can strengthen the, the other one. Yeah, I was going to say, you say mess, I sort of say primordial soup. Out, yes. of, out of that good well, things can, yeah. can happen. And, yes. and the collaboration is vital. Yeah. Um, Claire and I were d discussing a collaboration on the way over. Um, we're c continually doing that with folks. Um, we're doing the play Votes for Women. 
in March. Yes, it's Women's History Month. Yes, it's a celebration of 100 years Woo-hoo. for women and the vote. <laughs> um, but our, you know, our colleague Cheryl Black has adapted a play to um, include the multiple voices that are important. Um, so we have the suffragette movement. We also have important folks that need to be recognized um, from Sojourner Truth to Mary Church Terrell. And so we're we're trying to be a part of what other folks are interested in celebrating that moment. And so the history department, you know, there are collaborations, there are collaborations with textile impairment management. They have a whole, you know, exhibit they're going to do on, on the, the clothing that was worn then. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we, we find that we're a part of what's happening. And so people see that we're, because it's it's a communicative event, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. Then they see that, yes, because we, of course, believe, I mean, we spend all, a lot of our time reading and seeing and thinking, but the, the idea of the public event, the community effort does bring people together so that the person who's written the amazing book, you know, that's on the shelf can also come partake in this and be on a panel and talk about it. And so I think that, Theater is this way of continuing conversations, whichever conversations they might be. So I'm curious as to, um, you hinted at it a little bit, Heather, but I'm curious as to where do you go to get this kind of material? Is it, it, is it what do you read? I mean, I know a lot of documentary filmmakers say, oh, well, there was this little blurb of The New Yorker, or I saw this in this mm-hmm. teeny-weeny thing, mm-hmm. you know, on the last page of the Washington Post or whatever it was. So, but for this sort of, I don't want to call it topical, but for this sort of informed citizen theater conversation, where do you go to to seek out that kind of material that you think is going to work in in the setting that Mizzou has? Well, I like to start by thinking about my local space and then how my local space is always in conversation with a national space and then a global space. And so what are the things that our community here needs to hear about? Um, So doing the whiz and doing a a number of plays that focus on the black experience at the University of Missouri is no coincidence because there was a group of students in 2015 that said, actually, we need a lot more focus on that work. And we need need faculty who are not of color also engaging in that work. Uh And so that has been a significant uh, initiative our department has taken on by looking up and around at the world and what it needs. I mean, similar to to Professor Black's uh, Votes for Women, we are at this centennial moment. And so being aware that this communicative event, this public sphere we can offer is part of a broader history. And so being really thoughtful about um, an, an observer, I think. I think uh, journalists and artists are often observing the world in terms of what are the topics that people are talking about. And it's it's not so much as pushing an agenda as listening to other people's needs and desires. And then how can our work amplify or help uh, spread those perspectives? I think, there's, I think there is something about art that finds something that most of us doing our daily and much more plotting analysis. There's something that the artist's eye or the artist's psyche, however you want to say it, <laughs> you know, the ability to to go in there and get deep in, yeah. in a way that, yes. that is sort of, oh my gosh, I'm here already and I didn't, it wasn't Absolutely. effortful for me to get there, I right. guess is the way, way I would phrase it. There are, there are a couple of um, movements um, across the United States trying to urge theaters to have at least one play by a woman in their series, at least one Gosh. one play. Okay, never mind. By I know, <laughs> um, by a person of color. 
our department has made a commitment, and that's why I love being artistic director, um, because it's so important um, to me as well as all my colleagues. We've made a commitment that we don't want to just have one token <laughs> particular. Like, we want full seasons. And when you start looking at things that way, like, who, who are our authors and how do we – it. They bring the stories, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, my colleagues who have had different plays they wanted to do, that they are by women. They are by people of color. They are by, like, this is this is who we are and what we want to do. So it just astonishes me that there are still places that are trying to have, you know, sort of this one um, effort, but we're very happy to be a part of that because we're trying to reflect as many different perspectives as we can. And there are these incredible playwrights out there who are writing this work. I mean, we have had plays by Susan Laurie Parks. Um, we have, um, we're doing Marisol next um, April Jose by Jose Rivera. So we're just, the playwrights are there. They have things to say. And so like Claire said, we're, we're trying to feed our, what our students want, um, what What's going on in you know in society so in the last few minutes that we have you've very mentioned very briefly a couple of things that are upcoming and since the whiz is all sold out <laughs> okay what do people have to look forward to waiting list, uh, waiting list. Yes. Yes. <laughs> first of all come to the theater um and get there um the box office opens an hour an hour ahead of time and get on the waiting list um for the whiz um uh, but i but i actually think that um you know people find a variety of work we will start off next um the semester with um, the Mizunu play series. Uh -huh. And that offers a wide collection of different plays by our students and folks from the community. And I have to say that with Climate Change Theater and the Life and Lit um, performance series, that some of the pieces that people enjoyed the most were from you know, mm -hmm. our, our mm -hmm. local um, folks, which is kind of exciting. Um, and um, uh, just to do a little plug, we're going to Skylark tomorrow um, to do some of those performances if anybody is yeah. <laughs> out there at uh, 6 o'clock because they asked us, they're doing a talk about Barbara Kingsolver and talking right. about climate. Uh -huh. And so we're a part of that. Um, but for the spring, I think Votes for Women mm. um, and Marisol are the ones that um, are going to be things that for the audiences to come see. What's exciting about um, Dr. Black's adaptation of Votes for Women is she's also bringing it into the contemporary moment. So you're going to see this movement of, of pushing for women's equality, not only from the 1920s, but also into a Me Too movement. So that, I think that's exciting. It is. It is. Well, Dr. Carver, Dr. Schuyler, I want to thank you both very much for coming and spending some time with us on Thinking Out Loud. We'll look forward to seeing you and your work on stage and behind stage. This is Lee Wilkins. Thank you. Enjoy your evening.